I want to encourage you today. Uh, go with me if you can to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. While you're doing that, have you ever been somewhere where you felt like you shouldn't have been? Ever found yourself in an environment or a place where you probably knew you shouldn't have been? I mean, anyone that's married probably has. You've probably gone to bras and things with your wife, for example, while she's walking around. And you just know, I should not be here. This, this is not the place where I should be. You know, it's awkward and you don't know where to look and it's terrible. Don't, whatever, if those of you younger girls that aren't married yet, just let your husband off the hook. Don't take him into those places. It's hard. You know, you're looking. I was in um, the thriving, hustling, bustling metropolis of Casino some years back. Yeah, go Casino. And I had Johnny, my middle boy, and he was playing rugby league out there. So I loaded Johnny up in the car and we drove out to Casino. And I uh, had, a, a, I think, a couple other kids maybe in his team. So we're driving along, and as we get to the edge of Casino, just, you know, where you come in, you've got that steakhouse on the left. Is it still there? Steakhouse on the left. And... As I'm coming in, the road up ahead is really sort of bare. And then, um, so I, I go along, and there, but there's no cars. And it was a Saturday morning, so it was kind of strange. And I'm driving along, and next thing I look in my uh, rearview mirror, and the road I'd just gone past, these, this truck turns out. And I, I saw this truck behind me, and I'm sort of pulling away from it. And then as I'm looking out the back, I see another truck pull out. And then I lift up my eyes to where I'm heading, and I see a truck in front of me. And another truck in front of that. So I drive up and here I am parked here and I've got these couple of trucks in front of me. I've got, by this stage, four, maybe five trucks lined up behind me. And I'm there in my little uh, Camry thing I had at the time. And we go down the road and we get to that roundabout where you turn left and you go into the the street and over the bridge, you know, and and through town. So we we come around the corner. As we come around the corner, there, there seems to be more and more people lining the sides of the road. And uh, so we come around the roundabout and we're going along. Before you know it, there's just hundreds and hundreds of people up and down both sides of the road. And they're waving and cheering. And we didn't realise it, but we found ourselves stuck in the middle of, it must have been like the, the truck, the truck, what is it called? The, yeah, truck show, exactly. It was a truck show. And so here we are with all these big Kenworths and Macs and guys tooting their horns and the spectators are doing this and all the noise and crowds cheering and lining the streets. And then here we are in our little Camry stuck between these trucks going about half a kilometre an hour. All these people cheering and woohooing and the kids are in the back trying to bend down and hide and I'm trying to do the same to be brutally honest again. This is terrible. I got people going like this so I thought after a while, I thought, you know what? I probably shouldn't be here, but I'm just going to act as if I should be here. So I sat straight up in the car. I wound the windows down, told the boys, start waving at the crowd. I started honking my horn. Me, 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 me. And I drove through town. (laughs) Took us about half an hour. We finally got through. Johnny's getting dressed in the car because we're not going to make it in time. Anyway, we got there. So we found ourselves in a, in a place where we, we probably should not have been. I don't know how we ended up there. I don't know. They blocked every other car, and for some reason they let us in. But in hindsight, I know why they did it, so that I would have a sermon illustration to use today about being in a place where you shouldn't be. So here I am in this place where I shouldn't be, but I thought, you know what? Whether I should or shouldn't be in here is irrelevant. The fact is I'm there. So while I'm there, I'm going to make the most of it and have a bit of fun with it and enjoy myself in the midst of that. Acts chapter 17, I want to I want to say this to you today. I just want to leave a simple message with you. I want to say this to you. You are meant to be here. You're meant to be here. I'm not just talking about 
here as in this building in, in Arise Church, I want to say to you that you are meant to be here on planet Earth right now. You're meant to be here. I don't know what you think about your life. When I was young, uh, my parents, and I love my parents, but they were dysfunctional and broken and they would banter, they would say things that they shouldn't say to sort of one-upmanship against each other with the kids. And, and, and my, my, my mother, uh, one time in a, uh, to try to get a point up on my dad, I remember her saying to me, you know, when you were born, he didn't even want you. Now, I don't believe that's true. Uh, my dad was 19 at the time. He just didn't know how to have a child when you're 19. You're young. You, you don't have the life experience and so on. And he had his own journey as a child. It wasn't that he didn't want me, but that was what my mother said to me. He didn't want you. And for years, that kind of haunted me, that, that he didn't want me. But I know now I've got a great relationship with my dad. I love him. He loves me. No, no dramas. But I know other people, I've come across other people that have said I'm, I, I'm not meant to be here because the circumstances that surrounded my arrival were not pleasant, were not right. I was an accident. You know, I was reading um, Jimmy Barnes's uh, book recently, Working Class Man, and then the first one, Working Class Boy, I got him for Christmas a couple of years ago, and he was telling the story of, he's got a few children now, but he was sharing the story with great regret and sadness about how one of his children came about in a laneway after a drunken night out in a pub. And uh, this young child was born. This young man has gone on to do great things. I'm not speaking out of turn. It's in a book. He talks about it. It's public. But that was um, David, um, what's his name, David, on, on the, the morning shows. David, yeah, David Campbell. Conceived in, a, in, in an inconceivable fashion. It was not meant to happen. Shouldn't have been there. But, but here's this young man now. And I don't know what goes on inside of him. But I have met people and our time with YWAM and with young people and probably older people too still look back at the circumstances of their arrival here on planet earth with some sense of I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be here I was an accident anyone ever heard that term yeah yeah I've heard parents say yeah that that child was an accident well I want to say this to you today I don't know what you think or where you've been but I have proof in the bible that you were not an accident I have proof from the Word of God, what I believe to be the Word of God, we call it the Bible, I've got proof in there that you are no accident. And I want to read that this morning and just leave you, I just want to encourage you this morning, leave you with a couple of thoughts at the end of this. We'll, we'll get out of here soon. Acts chapter 17, Paul is in Athens, these really smart, intelligent Athenians who had all kinds of gods and, and religious beliefs and so on. We kind of, we look at the world today and there's probably you know, a handful of major world religions in the world today, and we think it's sort of a bit chaotic. Man, you go back to Bible times, there were thousands. Gods, temples, beliefs. Religion is not a new thing. There were, there were a plethora of religions around the world, and I hope you noticed the way I snuck that word plethora in there, because it's a good word, and I like to use it occasionally. There are a plethora of religions in the world. And Paul goes to Athens, and there's these religions everywhere, and temples and shrines, and he comes across a statue that the Athenians had to an unknown god. So the Athenians were going, we've got all these beliefs and all these gods, but we're smart enough to know there's probably one out there we're unaware of. And so they built this statue to this thing that they named the unknown god. In other words, just to make sure we've covered every base, we better have one base there that says for all the other bases we haven't covered. And that's what it was. So they got this statue, but Paul, being an intelligent man, goes, right here, let me tell you something about the unknown god. It's a very clever way of, of, of broaching spiritual things. Here's, here's what I always say to people. I, I, I was brought up with no faith. I, I didn't have God in my life. Uh, 19 
was, was the moment where I said, God, I think you're real. I've got a couple of things. You've got to help me. And he did. I had a couple of things happen, a couple of miracles in the space of a week. Changed my life. But I often say to people, like I, I come across people that will just tell me definitively there is no God. Now, here's the way I answer that question. Let's say that there is a, uh, all the knowledge in the world, 100% of knowledge about everything. Let's say you're the smartest human being on planet Earth. How much of that 100% of all knowledge of every single thing do you think the smartest person on Earth would know? Would it be fair to say, what if they knew 30%? Maybe. You'd be pretty smart. If you knew 30% of all available knowledge that there was to know in the history of humankind, if you knew 30% of it, you would probably be the smartest person that's ever lived. So I'll give you the liberty of 30%. Let's say you know 30% of all knowledge there is out there in the known universe to know. And then I ask them the question, is it possible that in the 70% of knowledge you have not come across yet, there is evidence to support the fact that God exists? And I've never seen anybody say to me, no. How would you know you don't know that 70% of evidence? And so Paul's kind of coming from the same angle. He's going, I'm not going to talk to you about your gods and your beliefs and what's right and what's wrong. I'm going to talk to you about this 70% of evidence that you haven't come across yet and throw some thoughts at you that maybe in that 70% of evidence you don't know about, there is evidence that could point us to an awesome creator that loves mankind and that built this world. You know, Creation itself is evidence enough. Anyone ever look at a painting? And, and, and just go, oh, wow, what an amazing painting. That painting is so amazing. It must have constructed itself together. And, you know, isn't it great how them paint particles just formed together and they slapped themselves on a canvas and wood just jumped on there and it hung itself on a wall. Isn't that awesome? Of course not. Anything created points to the fact that any, any bit of creation points to a creator. And the world around us is the same. It's too beautiful and too well-structured and too well-put-together to just be a chance happening. I I, I can't buy it. It makes no logical sense or even scientific sense. But in Acts 17, bouncing off the story of the unknown God, Paul says this in verse 23. He says, Therefore the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you. And watch this. God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives life to all and breath and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And here's the good news. And has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. God created everybody on the face of the planet. And he determined their pre-appointed times in which they would live and the boundaries of their dwellings. And he did that for a reason. If we keep reading on, there it is up there. Has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. Next verse, Luke. So that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Watch this, though he's not far from each one of us. I can attest to that, and I'm sure many of you can here. I didn't look hard. I didn't have to dig around too much. God was right there. All I had to do was open my heart and go, okay, I'm going to get serious about this, this, this God and, 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 and seek after the questions. I know the media says it's rubbish. The teachers tell me it's rubbish. My friends tell me it's rubbish. Anyone that's ever been burnt by religion tells me it's rubbish. But I'm going to grope around for myself and have a look for myself. And I discovered the reality of God, as did many other people in this room. We were pre-appointed by God in the time in which we live, in the place in which we live, so that we would seek God, so that we would look for 
and we would find God. I just want to encourage you with a couple of real quick things this morning. Number one, you are fashioned by God to play a role in his story on earth right now. We've been talking the last few weeks about history, which actually is his story. And we're just kind of passing through. You know, anyone ever gone flying somewhere and you have a layover? On a, on a trip. Anyone ever done that? And you, you, you might be flying somewhere. And uh, a few years back, I was flying over to India and I had a friend of mine and the timing worked really well. He was a, a missionary in, in uh, he was living in Indonesia, but he happened to be in Singapore. So I actually planned my layover so that I would be flying over and I could land at Singapore just for the day. I got on a train, went into town, met him. We had lunch together, visited some churches, came back, jumped on the plane, continued on my trip. But I was very deliberate about planning that layover because I wanted to do some things while I was there. I wanted some, some things. To, to work out for me, so I planned that layover. And our life here on earth is a little bit like that layover. It's been planned by God that you would be here now. I don't know if you're like me, but I read the stories in the book of Acts, and I read the healings and the miracles, and I see, uh, see them walking around with their shadows healing people, and I see handkerchiefs being passed around to people, and I see all these things, and I see, see Jesus you know, feeding, uh, breaking fish and bread and feeding thousands, and all these miracles the Bible talks about, and there's a part of me that goes, God, I wish I was alive back then. I would have set the world on fire for you. If I was alive back then, but in God's pre-appointed wisdom and knowledge, God decided that, Alan, I'm actually not going to let you live there. I'm going to wait till 1972. And in 1972, I'm going to pop you down on planet Earth and give you X amount of years. And I don't know how many that's going to be, but all I know is I'm here right now. And I was born at the right time. I was born at the right time according to God. My circumstances might not have been the best. I may have been an accident to my parents. They might not have expected it to happen. But I was born in the right time for God. And it's encouraging for me to go through life knowing that I am not an accident. I'm meant to be here now. We're sitting here in 2019. You are the age you are, the person you are with the skills and the abilities and talents and everything that you have. And guess what? You are not an accident. You're meant to be here. You're actually meant to be here. God planned it that way that you would be here right now. He could have had you born at any time in human history, but he chose now. Why did he choose now? I don't know all the ins and outs, but I do know this. You're here now, and part of the plan and purpose is that you would grope around and seek after God, that you would look for God, that you would pursue God. Matthew 6.33, I think it is, Jesus says, uh, uh, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and everything else in life will be added to you. Don't seek after fame and popularity and seek after all this other stuff. Seek after God. If God wants you to have fame, he'll give it to you. If you seek after God and he wants you to be popular, he'll give it to you. If you seek after God and he wants you to to be married, here's what I've found and my encouragement to people that are looking for husbands and wives, seek after God first. And if he wants you married, that's part of your plan. He'll bring that person to you. But seek after God first. You're here right now at this time to seek after God. Nobody in this room is an accident. Can you feel that sense of destiny about your life when you think about that? Just let that sink in. I'm meant to be here in the time's in which I am. Some people like, you know, I look at the way Daniel dresses sometimes and he's really, I mean, he's got a great sense of style and fashion. But I see that, you know, that that 70s show that's on TV, that 70s show, I think you would have fitted in fantastic. 
back then because you've got that cool, funky sense of fashion. So you could have been back in the 70s right now and you maybe that would have been better. But God says, no, I don't want you back in that 70s show. I want you here now and I'm going to put you on the earth now because now is actually your time. And that's the thing for each person here. You need to understand your time is actually now. It's not back then. It's, not, it, it's now. This is the time that we've been given by God. And each one of us have been put here and we're in the timing of God. Even if you feel like the place you are in life is not perfect. Even if you feel like where you are right now, maybe you think your job's not the right job. Maybe you feel like you're, the, 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 the space in life that you're in isn't perfect. Let me read something out to you. I just read this this week and I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing. And it fits in with what we're talking about here. That it's not about, God, what's your will? You know, what's, what's the will of God for my life? But God, what's, how does my life fit into your will? Watch this. I want you to imagine for a second that each one of you in this room, you're a slave. I'm talking a physical slave. You live in a culture and a time where, for whatever circumstance or reason, you've been sold into slavery. Now, praise God, slavery is now abolished. Although I'm not naive enough to think it's still not happening in certain parts of the world. We all know it is. But legally, it's abolished pretty much in most places. But back in these days, it wasn't. I want you to hear what Paul wrote to a person that was in bondage. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5 and 8, here's what he says. He says, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, watch this, doing the will of God from the heart. So he's talking to people that are in physical slavery, a circumstance that's probably not the highest. You could say that being a slave would have been outside the will of God. Who would think that? If you were a slave, well, I'm outside the will of God because God's not into slavery. And there's a truth in that. But there's a bigger truth, and that's this, that you can live in the will of God no matter where you are. Because your time is now and your place is here. Your pre-appointed time is now and your pre-appointed boundary of dwelling is here. And so Paul's saying to this person who's a physical slave, while you're a slave, do the will of God. It kind of makes no sense in one sense because slavery is not the will of God. And you might be sitting here and you might legitimately say, I'm not in the right job or I'm not in the right... You might even feel like you married the wrong person. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Daniel, no, she did. She knows she got the right... Daniel just went all sweaty and started rubbing Ruth's arm. You got the right person there. But no matter what station of life you find yourself in, you can still be committed to doing the will of God. So the will of God is not always so much about what we do, it's who we are while we're doing it. It's who we are while we're doing it. You have been put here at a pre-appointed time in human history. I hope, I hope this morning that you get encouraged. I hope you walk away going, this is my time. I'm meant to be here. What you have to bring to the table now, the table needs it now. The table didn't need it 50 years ago. The table won't need it in 100 years' time. But God's table needs what you have now. And that's why he put you here. And your place is here. I would have loved to have been born in India, and I mean that. I love India. I do. You, you, people see the movies and they see people getting sick. And I feel more at home in India than I do in my own country. I really do. I feel safer over there. I like the food way better than ours. I love getting on a motorbike without a, you know, and just cruising, doing whatever you want, no speed limits, you know. I love cows and chickens running through the streets. I love it. 
It's awesome. I don't so much love the smog and the smoke and all the dust and the chest infections you get. But I love India. I love it. And, so, and you know what? And part of me thinks, God, it would have been easier for you to have me born in India because then I wouldn't have to waste money on air flights and visas. I could just be there and do what I do. But in God's preordained wisdom, he said, no, your time is now and your place is here. I'm going to put you here. So if I'm here now, if I'm in this place and I'm meant to be here, and if I'm in this time and I'm meant to be here, then where do my skills, my abilities, my talents, where does what I have fit into God's will in this space, in this time, in this place? How do I bring my talents, my abilities, my testimonies, my story, how do I bring it to the table of what God wants to do in 2019 here in Ginelabar? Because this is where I am and I'm here for a reason. And I'm in this time and this space because God in his wisdom has ordained that I would be there. I am not an accident. My presence here is not an accident. Neither is your presence an accident. So God has put me here at this time. My time is now. He put me in this place. So my place is here. And when I put those two things together, it tells me this. My life is incredibly significant. My life is incredibly significant. You know, we live in a a society where our value tends to come from our performance. You're about as valuable to any group of people as you are your contribution to that group. If you give a high level of contribution to that group, you're very valuable in their eyes. But if your contribution is very minimal, then you don't seem to have as much value as the person who brings a higher contribution. Our value comes from our performance and our significance tends to come from our popularity, you know? Who are the most significant people? It's the one with the most tweets or the most followers. I've got more followers or I've got more, you know, friends on Google Book or whatever. The, the, you know, those stupid, those online things. They're not stupid, they're neutral, but you know what I'm saying. Um, we get our, our, our significance comes from that. We're always chasing likes. We're chasing waves and happy faces and thumbs ups. And we're chasing all these things because we get a great sense of significance out of that. And how highly are we rated when we put something online? How many people are, are you know, posting and getting more and more and more and so on. I hear, I get on um, on uh, uh, iPod, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, iTunes and I, I listen to I, uh, iPod. iTunes and I listen to podcasts. Just try saying those words really quickly. iPod podcast, iPod podcast, iPod podcast. So I get on there and I try to listen to those things and it's amazing how many guys are going, you know, uh, would you make sure that you tell everybody else in the world about my podcast? Because the more people that hear about it and the more ratings we get and it's like, Really? Really? As far as I'm concerned, I'm here in Ginella Bar in 2019. I don't really, you know, I don't really care if the rest of the world doesn't know I exist or if people overseas are getting blessed or touched by what I'm saying. If they do, great. But that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for this place and I'm here for now. I'm here for my community and to do something and be a positive influence in my community in the day and age in which I live, which is right now. So our significance comes from popularity. That's what people think. I want to read a quote by a book called Robert McGee. It was called The Search for Significance. Here's what he said. He said, Unfortunately, many of us give only lip service to the powerful truths of the Bible without allowing them to affect the basis of our self-esteem in a radical way. Instead, we continue to seek our security and purpose from worldly sources, personal success, status, beauty, wealth, and approval from others. Let me read that one more time. Unfortunately, many of us give only lip service to the powerful truths of the Bible without allowing them to affect the basis of our self-esteem in a radical way. Instead, we continue to seek our security and purpose from worldly sources, personal success, status, beauty, you know, 
beauty, wealth, I can't show you wealth, unfortunately, (laughs) and approval from others. Isn't that true? We chase our significance from all these other things, but I look at that one truth that Paul told the Athenian people about the unknown God. And, and if you're here today, and like every Sunday I don't know everybody that comes here, if you're here today and I'm talking to you about the unknown God, if you don't believe in Jesus or you don't share my faith, and I'm talking to you about the unknown God, I want to just leave you with those two things. Number one, that you're not an accident. You're meant to be here. And again, I'm not just talking about in this building. I'm talking about here on planet Earth right now. You are, you are put here by a God that loves you tremendously, a God that is for you, not against you, a God that wants to see you be successful and blessed and happy and prosperous in life, a God who wants to see you whole and healed and delivered and not going through life with bitterness, not being discouraged, carrying hurts, rejections. That's the God that we're talking about. That's the unknown God. He's put you here now for a reason and a purpose. And he's put you in this place, this geographical region, this boundary of your dwelling. You're born here for a purpose. And that purpose is this, that you would seek after God, that you would look for God. And the promise is that he's not far away. He's easy to find. Matter of fact, he came looking for you before you ever started looking for him. Romans 5.8 tells me this. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were not interested in God, he was interested in us. When we weren't seeking him, he already started the journey towards us and seeking after us. To those of you that do know Jesus, I want to say the same thing. You're born for such a time as this. You are here right now. I don't care what's going on in the world politically. I don't care what's happening overseas with wars. And, and, and we want to... Here's an interesting thing. And, and, and please don't shoot me down because I'm... And I know I'm putting myself out a little bit here, but I'm going to do it anyway. We, we want to fight for a cause. There's something in us that wants a cause to fight for, you know. I was watching on, on the news the other day, all these kids were having a day off school to protest global warming. I'm not commenting either way about global warming. I've got my opinions, you've got yours. But one kid got on and, and he was saying, yeah, well, you know, the tipping point is 11 years. They're now teaching us in school. In 11 years, it'll all be over. In one sense, I'm thinking, geez, fast forward to 11 years so I can stop hearing about it. Then it'll be all damage is done, it's too late. Let's just get through this next 11 years and no one will talk about it anymore because it's all downhill from there. You know, I could see you hearing about it. And I do care for the environment and I do care for my kids and my grandkids. But there's more you know, sides to that. But there's something inside of us that wants to have a cause and wants to fight for a cause and wants to go. We want to pour our life and invest our life into something. And for those of you that believe what I'm saying, that you are here and born at the right time and that you are here and you are in the right place, then I want you to put that time and that place together and know that you're in a time and a place for a reason, for a cause. I came across this analogy of church once, and I really like it. When we think about God's will for planet Earth, and we've talked about it's the will of God that none perish, but that everybody hear about the good news of Jesus, not, not the, about the Christian religion, that's garbage but they hear about the person of Jesus and what he did and the love of God. 
if that's the plan and will of God, then how can you use your talents and abilities, gifts and perspectives, resources, time, creativity to fulfill God's will, which is the salvation of the nations in the time and space that he's allotted to you? We're all ministers of the good news. We're all missionaries. You don't have to cross the sea to be a missionary. You just have to see the cross. And the kingdom of God has been described like a sporting event. You've got 50,000 people sitting in the stands watching 26 people run around. 26 people are running around who don't really need any exercise being watched by 50,000 people who probably need to do some exercise themselves. And you know what? I've heard the church described like that. And I'm not saying we are, but I'm saying that's a challenge. Are we content to be the 50,000 sitting in the stands watching 26 people run around and do all the work and perform and entertain for us? Or do we want to get on that field and contribute? Do we want to do something? Do we want to do something? I, I hope and pray that we see the significance of our life the time that we've got here, the place where we are, how can we make a difference in the world for the glory of God? How can we make a difference for the kingdom of God in the space and time that God has given us? I don't know if I will see you next Sunday. I hope I do. I'm planning on it. I'm building a life towards it. But if God decides to take me in the next seven days, so be it. But I do know I've got today. I do know I've got this moment. Has God told you something? Why are you laughing? (laughs) Nervous. You're here for a reason. Your time is now, your place is here, and your life is significant. Amen? Amen. Lord, I want to thank you for this morning, God. And uh, Father, you have been uh, really, really good to us, God. Lord, we don't deserve it uh, in our natural selves, but because of what you've done for us on the cross, that makes us very deserving of your blessing. We're your children. God, you care for us. Father, for each person in this room, I pray as they walk out of here, Lord, that they would, uh, Father, have that sense of destiny upon their life. They're not just here to waste space and steal oxygen for 80 years. Lord, they're here to make a difference. They're here for a purpose. They're here for a reason. They're here for some significant, uh, some significant moment in time, God. There are things that you have for us. Lord, you are writing a story, and it began in Genesis, and it's still not finished. And Lord, I pray for those in this room that know you, that call themselves Christians. Lord, I pray that we would stop seeking what is the will of God for my life. And Lord, let us really understand what it means to say, hey, how does my life fit into God's will? How does my life fit into your desires? into your story that you are writing in the year 2019 in this space that you've given me, God. How can I fit my life into your plans, your purposes, and your agendas? Father, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, Lord, I'm praying for those people. God, open up their hearts. Lord, I know what it's like. We all do to not believe, to not have faith. God, I understand the doubts, the questions. I understand all that stuff. But Father, you revealed yourself to me in such a, a beautiful and real way. And God, I pray for those people that, uh, Lord, if they're still unsure, Lord, I'm, I'm asking you, Father, reveal yourself to them. God, open up their eyes, soften their heart. Show them, God, that you're not out to destroy their life, take away their fun. God, you want to actually help them become fully human. You want to add value and add purpose to their existence here so they can truly live. And Lord, I also pray as we go from this place this morning, in the next seven days, 
God, give every single one of us an opportunity to tell somebody about you, God, somebody that doesn't yet know how good you are. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Uh, We will see you next week. we will see you next week. That's, I'm, I'm speaking that out in faith that I will be here in seven days' time. Uh, I don't know where I'll actually physically be, though, because we're moving house at the moment. So if I'm not returning your phone calls or your emails, please have grace on me. We're just not sure where we're going, but we, we need to be out of our house in a few days. So we're helter-skeltering. Same with Jackie. If she's not returning calls or emails, whatever, please don't get offended. We're just chaotic at the moment. So I'm going to put the microphone down, run out that door, go home, and start moving more furniture. So have a great uh, afternoon, guys. Bless you.